0: Well, this is kind of a cool day because there's one person in here who's really, really nervous because it's his first time ever preaching on uh, a Sunday morning, and he just, uh, the word he gave on uh, the 845 service was so good, and, and now he has to do it again, uh, but would you guys just be an encouragement to him, would you support him, and also, I just, uh, your hearts would be open, your minds would be open to receive the powerful word that he has for each one of us this morning. Would you please welcome to the stage, Jeremy Folsom. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. On, Thank you. Wow, this is already going to be a different service than the first service, because during the first service, I was uh, speaking to, uh, I like to wander around the stage a little bit to give the camera guy a hard time, and uh, first service, I'd be over here, and I was talking, but the chairs were all empty, so I sat here, I'm like, who am I talking to, come on, like, this is ridiculous, so... It's already going to be better. Now it looks like it's over here. Sorry, you too. <laughs> yeah, I'll try to talk to you guys. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, uh, good morning and good, good evening to those watching online. This is pretty cool. We actually do an online uh, service, and it's live, and uh, people from around the world are watching it. Uh, China, Korea, I heard. And uh, for this little Church of Life Spring... To be able to put the word out for people around the world is an absolute, amazing, miraculous thing. And uh, so we're testing out our new camera today. So I apologize to those watching because you get to see me in all of my HD brilliance. um, (laughs) That only my wife really likes. So, we will, at least she says so. Um, All right, so... It was real quick, though. Uh, I just wanted to talk about our softball. I'm a little stiff today. Um, we play softball. We played three games this last week. Um, three games. That was ex- three games in two days. That was exhausting. And uh, I'm getting a little older and not healing as fast. And um, I'm a little out of shape, just a little bit though, just a little <laughs> bit. And so, and I don't know when to quit. I don't know when to stop. When that ball gets hit, I am running. I don't care if my Joints are falling apart, my muscles are being torn, and uh, so there's a lot of injuries this last week, uh, not just by me, but other people of the church and on the team, and it's just really cool. So I encourage you, if you guys want to come out and watch a hilarious, uh, fun game, uh, come see us. We're playing, I think, this Tuesday, two games at 6 o'clock and 7.30 over at Lake Ridge uh, Junior High, and that is by Lake Taps, and it's a lot of fun, so come on out. Um, Yeah, it's a good time, and I think that's when we got to see Rachel she snuck in, and uh, we didn't get to see her. Um, I remember I was warming up, and I saw a car pulling in. I thought, God, it looks like Rachel. I'm like, "Nah, she's in Texas. That's 3,000 miles away. No way. And then I saw somebody walking up to the field. I thought, it really looks like Rachel. <laughs> it was Rachel. Lo and behold. Awesome. <laughs> so uh, Dan asked me, uh, we were talking about, he says, Jeremy, you're going to preach. I'm like, and I always say yes, because I love to be able to stretch out a little bit and try some new things. And so I was excited to be able to do it. But then he says, you're going to preach on the Holy Spirit. I was like, wait a second. Holy Spirit. That's ridiculous. Give me God. Oh, it was God or Jesus. I mean, it's like from the beginning to the end of the Bible, right? Like, no, we've got to narrow it down a little bit. So I prayed on it and uh, came up with some things. And uh, so I, I was starting to write my sermon. And I finished it 10 minutes before Wayne and Pete's uh, seminar um, on a Friday, and I went to the seminar, and you know, you still question yourself as, God, did you really want me to write this? Did you really want me to talk about this? And then I got to the seminar, and I saw the same scripture at the seminar, <laughs> and a lot of the same concepts, you know, of talking about passion, and I was like, wow, I guess God really did want me to talk about this. So what they started, I'm kind of uh, finishing up a little bit, and it's a So if you were there, it was a real blessing to have them teach to us, and uh, I'm excited to be able to to do this. So this morning, though, I'm talking on something that I feel like it affects everybody in this room, Um, and that is, what do you do when life gets overwhelming? What is your natural response when it's just so hard, when life is just so hard? And I I know mine is... um, my natural response, the fleshly part of my response, is just to give up. Life is hard. I just want to give up and just throw it in, throw in the towel, just put my hands up, just forget it. And I know a lot of us here have always have felt like that once in a while. It doesn't matter who you are, or what your background is, what your history is, no matter who you are, and there's no doubt in my mind that every single person here at a time or two in life, whether it be in your childhood or an adult, has thought about giving up. Life happens. Uh, pastor Dan, he says this quite a bit, and that you know, life is hard, and then it gets harder. That's right. He says that a lot, um, and it's so true. It's so true. There's no excuses. It's just it, life is hard. So what do we do um, when that happens? Because see, life it doesn't favor anybody. It doesn't just because uh, it doesn't matter what you do in life. If you're a pastor, or if you're anything, you know, a teacher, uh, a doctor. It doesn't matter because life doesn't favor any. It's challenging. The Bible declares that it will rain on the good people and the bad people, the just and the unjust. So what do you do when life is just so simply overwhelming, so challenging and beyond your control that you just want to throw your hands up and just cry out I give up or I quit. I get it. I've, I've been there. I've been there. Um, so many times in my life, you know, when you just want to wake up in the morning and pull the covers back over your head and just say, "No, oh, God, maybe tomorrow, you know, not today. <laughs> I know what that's like. Um, one of the reasons why I love LifeSpring so much is the number of godly men that are in this place. Amen. There are a lot of godly women as well. Uh, they are equally as amazing. However, I can only speak to my own experiences Um, from being in the men's groups, hearing testimonies, praying with men, uh, just living life with men in the community. And all I can say is that there are some strong men at LifeSpring. And I am so thankful for that because these men have no doubt have had moments in their life of giving up, of walking away from their marriages, walking away from their families, walking away from church. Uh, We see it all the time, friends, of just men just giving up. But at LifeSpring, they, they, they tend to be strong for the Lord. They want to serve their spouses. They want to serve their families. They want to serve their community, their church, and their God. And I love that. It's a beautiful thing that makes part of what LifeSpring and Edgewood and this whole community so great. They stay with it when life is challenging. They remain faithful. Um, this morning, we're gonna talk, I'm going to talk about not losing heart in challenging days. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you need a Bible, we have some in the back. Um, You can follow along on your phone. I believe our church app also has the Bible on it. Um, There's going to be a lot of reading real quick, but it's important. And it's a tough one to get through. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Here we go. Chapter 3. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need as some other epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are an epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us. This part's important. Written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is of the heart. And we have such trust through Christ toward God that we are sufficient in ourselves, but to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was so glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away? How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of commendation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even if that was made glorious, it had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For of what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Wow, there's a lot of glory in this, I understand. A lot of glory. All glory goes to God. nevertheless when one turns to the lord the veil is taken away now the lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty there is freedom but we all with unveiled faces beholding as in the mirror the glory of the lord are transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the lord This next chapter, chapter 4, verse 1, is the important one. This is the one that we're focusing on this morning. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, say this part with me, we do not lose heart. It's so important. We do not lose heart. Let us pray. Father God, thank you so much this morning for giving us this holy moment where we get to come together, we get to dive into your word to give you praise. This is a place of safety, a place where we can be real. Let us be real. Let us look inside of us, each of us, and determine what it is. What is our heart really like? What is our heart saying this morning? Father God, I ask that you guide us this morning, that your spirit talks to us. It talks to us. Let it fill us up. Let us just hold us accountable to everything. We love you so much. And God's people said, amen. Right, I've been married now. I don't see my wife here. She must be working in the back, but so maybe I could say some more embarrassing things that I did the first service uh, and not get in trouble, except there it is videotaped, so you know, just cut that. Um, but I've been married now for over 20 years, and uh, we've definitely had our ups and downs on what marriage does not. Um, I was definitely the emotional one in our marriage. Um, we were married. I was 18 when I was married I was a senior in high school my wife had just graduated high school and so we were definitely young I don't recommend that for everybody um there are definitely some challenging moments when you're that young and for me I was the emotional one uh I guess she was the rock so I was kind of like well you know trying to be insulting I was the girl in this marriage I was you know and that's okay I was definitely an emotional one. We uh, did not have a healthy outlook on marriage. Divorce was a normal (laughs) word in our life. Uh, And so every single fight, whether it be who left the milk out, I thought meant we were going to get a divorce every single time. So then I wondered, well, what happens when life gets, I mean, if we're going to get a divorce over milk, what happens when something really bad does happen? You know? And so I had to grow up. And uh, figure it out, we didn't, and then we had our oldest son, Alex, who's uh, almost 20 now. Um, He lives in Texas, and he's doing well, but we had to figure out how to become a married couple, parents, work, schooling, all at the same time at an early age, and it was, it was definitely tough, Um, and there were moments later on in life where things would get really rough and it would spiral out of control, you know, you take that one step into the darkness, and then another step, and then another step, and pretty soon, you feel like you're so far away that what's the point, you know, like you can't really turn around and get back to it. It's tough. It's hard. Life is hard. So I understand, so this morning, when we're talking, and if you have that feeling of wanting to give up, to cash it in, just to And if you're saying to yourself, I've tried everything, Jeremy, I cannot win. Uh, It's no use. I get it. I can relate to that. I can. And it's embarrassing to admit that in my own life it's happened on more than one occasion. I've wanted to give up. And it doesn't have to be about marriage. That's just one excuse. It could be about your finances. It could be addictions. It could be troubled family members or relationships. Um, That last one, the troubled family members and relationships, it's easy to fake it. You know what I mean? Um, you wake up in the morning say let's say sunday you get up in the morning do your hair you get dressed for church you come to church you put your hands up you're worshiping the lord but it's all an act it's all fake because then on the inside deep on the inside you're f- you're losing your passion your passion levels your enthusiasm your zest for life is just at an all-time low that's just so tough <laughs> seasons change We always have these rough seasons in life and seasons change. Um, Right now we're going into a new political season and that's causing a lot of strife among families and relationships and just in your own heart about what's going on. Um, Maybe it's a new financial season that you have. Maybe it's something that you haven't even talked to your wife about or your husband about. You're keeping to yourself. Maybe you haven't even verbally admitted it to God who already knows what's going on, but you haven't admitted it to him that you're tired, you want to give up. You're exhausted. Once again, life is harder, but it only gets harder. There is good news, though, and that is in the Word of God. It's amazing. It's in the Word of God. But I want you to know something that's really important. Um, when you're feeling that way, God is not mad at you for feeling that way. It is a normal feeling. He is not mad at you. He's not looking down from heaven and saying, Jeremy, or Wayne, wake up. You know, get it together. Get your act together. He's not saying that. He is more than acquainted with our own issues. He is he knows our weaknesses. He knows when we are distracted distracted by the realities of life. And our focus, he knows when our focus changes from him to these difficult, challenging moments in life. It could be about food. It could be about alcohol, drugs, pornography. He knows when our focus is on that stuff and not on him. But he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't get mad about that. He loves you. So, so real. So no one's going to disregard your feelings or look down on you just because you find yourself in these seasons of being tempted to give up. We all are tempted to give up. Um, in Corinthians, Paul calls this feeling, losing heart. And it gives us the answer for anyone who's ever felt like they're losing heart. And that is what I was talking about earlier, simply that, that losing of passion or that zeal or that zest for life. And it's oftentimes uh, the result of real practical reasons of financial hardships, uh, hills being too high, too high to climb, emotional issues with your marriage, moral issues. These are those feelings that make you just not want to get out of bed, just pull the covers over your head and just say, forget it. No, not today, God. Not today. I'll do it tomorrow, maybe. Maybe, but not right now. And as a follower of Christ and a Christian, to admit that you want to pull the covers over your head is a hard thing to do. It's hard for us because we know God loves us. We know Jesus has, has died to save us, and yet we still do it. And we know better, but, we're, you know, but it happens to everybody. I can relate to that. More importantly, so can God. He sent his son Jesus into this world for Jesus was also tempted to give up thank God he did not but he was he was tempted to give up he prayed this prayer He said Jesus says father if it be possible let this cup pass by me I don't feel like going to the cross I don't feel like excruciating pain of a thorn, a crown of thorns being slammed onto my head I don't feel like going through all that he knew what was happening he is Jesus he knew what was happening but then he finished that prayer he says but not my will be done, but your will be done. So he knew it was happening, and he just gave it to God. Paul says, we do not lose heart. And he gives us the reason why we don't lose heart in 2 Corinthians 4.1, which says, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. He says we do not lose heart. He's not saying we might lose heart or there's an option of losing heart. No, it's a statement of fact. We do not lose heart. It's not going to happen. You're not allowed to lose heart. It's there for you. So the question has to be asked, what is this ministry that Paul is referring to? And to answer that, we need to step back a minute and look at the bigger picture of who Paul is talking to. He's talking to the Corinthians, um, the Christians in Corinth, the Corinthian Christians. Now I imagine in Corinth, back in those days, this is the ultimate missionary place, okay? Uh, it, 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 we, we have Ghana, and we have all these other places, but Corinth was the ultimate place for any missionary. Um, it was a place of saturated with immoral pagan worship, sex everywhere, and the sex was an act of worship to their gods, pagan gods. That's just a, a scary thing to be put into as a Christian. You're sitting there and you're, you're told to be there to bring people to Christ and to preach the word of God, no one around you is going to listen. No one. They're busy procreating. But so a couple of years ago, we took the kids, me and Lucinda, we took the kids to New Orleans. We had all three kids with us. It was Thanksgiving. Um, really nice hotel. We were in Jackson Square, if you've ever been there. It's a, a tourist area full of history, jazz. If you guys, there it is. There's a picture of it. Uh, I think Lucinda took that picture, beautiful area, old, old stuff, but it had history, jazz, the best food you could ever eat, and of course, yep, there it is, beignets, come on, the beignets, and that coffee, that coffee, it's like a chicory coffee, it's really strong and dark, and they put some sort of like sweet cream on the top, it just sits there on top, and then as you drink it, it all kind of mixes it together, oh, it's heaven, I'm telling you, uh, if you've never had a beignet, I encourage you. If you ever get the opportunity, have one. It will change your life. Um, and you can go to uh, New Orleans. I suggest New Orleans, or you can go to like Disney World or Disneyland. I think they all they also have it. It's not as good though. There you go. That's a lot closer. New Orleans is funner though than Tacoma. Come on. Uh, the thing about New Orleans though is its streets it's old, it's hundreds of years old, this area. And it is streets built upon streets upon streets, buildings all over the place, so it's full of nothing but alleyways um, when you start exploring And it's a lot of fun because you get to go down these alleyways and there's bookstores with 100 year old books and there's music stores and then there's street performers. The street performers are amazing. But then we were walking around. We got lost in these alleyways and we came out into uh, this one street and I looked to my right and I could see our hotel four blocks down. And then I saw this building, and this building, and this building, and this building, and it was strip clubs and bars. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And I'm here with my kids, you know. And I'm like, well, do we turn around and go back into the alleyway? And who knows what we're going to come out next, right? But no, I saw the hotel, so we're like, okay, we're just going to go for it. We're going to be, line it, and just get there. So, and luckily it was daytime, so everything was kind of closed up for the most part. Um, It was just a weird experience. But I remember walking, and I had my hand over Leilani's eyes as we're walking down the street. Uh, But then my two teenage sons, they're just like, this is cool. Like, come on. (laughs) And if I had, if I had more hands, it would be like, you know, like this too. But it didn't work out that way. Like I said, luckily it was daytime. But we did make it there. Um, It was Bourbon Street. This is a place where people go for uh, partying and uh, spring break. And it's just a Not appropriate place for families, that is for sure. So there are parts of Jackson Square that are great, beautiful, and there's the seedier parts that I I suggest avoiding. Um, But it was fun. But this experience, though, pales into comparison to what Corinth was like. I was trying to think of any experiences or any places that might have been like Corinth, and there's nothing that was like Corinth. It was an abominable place, full of cults, um, horrible, unmentionable perversions, But this was the very essence of what Corinth was. This is what they wanted. This is what they wanted. So in the letters that Paul wrote, you have to remember, he never once told the Christians to leave. He never once said, you know what, guys, that's too much work. Get out of there. No. He never said to get out of Dodge. No. He said, stay there. Help people. Stay the course. It was no wonder why Paul had to write to these Christians I can only imagine how hard it had to have been to, to feel like you're going to lose heart because you just can't reach out to these people. They didn't want any change. But, then, but Paul says we are not going to lose heart. In 1 Corinthians it says, He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. Friends, we haven't seen anything like the streets of Corinth. But Paul reminds us that in these challenging moments, those times when you're facing adversity and you often want to give up, that God will keep you strong. He gives you everything you need to be sustained. And he helps us to stay the course. So it's easy to feel like giving up. But Paul is saying, here is the answer for when you feel like walking away. This ministry is the answer. I'm not talking about church ministry or preaching on the corner. No, I'm talking about something different, something new. In 2 Corinthians 3, 6, remember it says, we are the ministers of the new covenant. So what Paul is saying by this ministry, he's referring to the new covenant. And understanding this new covenant is the key to not giving up. What is this new covenant? Paul calls it it the ministry of the Spirit. For the Spirit is God, and we serve the three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The spirit of the, the ministry of the spirit the spirit has always been active the spirit of God is always active throughout all the scripture Old Testament, New Testament, it's always been there and then I remember and then you read in Ezekiel 36 talks about and this is the Old Testament and it's talking about this new spirit coming I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a new heart of flesh Something important to distinguish here about the Old Testament or the Old Covenant is that the spirit would come upon the believer and do miraculous things no doubt amazing miraculous things. But then when Jesus comes into the picture and he changes everything. He gives us the new covenant and the Holy Spirit begins to work on the inside of all believers. All believers. But you have to ask for that. All believers who ask See, that's the major difference. The Old Covenant worked upon, upon the believer, and the New Covenant, because of Jesus Christ, works inside all believers. And it takes residence like living water on the inside of you. It's amazing. So just like when God wrote His ten rules of, of, on tablets of stone, you know, the ten commandments that we all know, and none of us, nobody could ever follow all ten um, That's why that was considered ministry of death. Nobody can follow all those rules. It was impossible. Only Jesus could follow those rules. So when God wrote those ten rules on the tablets of stone, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit helps God write the ten rules, not on the stones, but instead on the tablets of our hearts. So he writes them on the inside of us. It is the ministry of the Spirit. So check this out. In, In Luke 4... We read that the Holy Spirit even helped out Jesus Christ. Luke 4 1 says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Notice that Jesus was filled. He was filled. He wasn't just a little bit filled. He was, there's no doubt, filled with the Holy Spirit, which means he overflowed, he was bursting with the Spirit. Because then in Luke 4 14 says that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through the surrounding region. You know what this verse means? You know what this verse really is? It is officially the beginning of our Lord and Savior's earthly ministry. But notice who's there with him the Holy Spirit. God's trying to say something right there to us, to us all. So important. God's trying to say to us, what he's trying to say is, if you're going to fulfill your ministry like Jesus, if you're going to be who God called you to be like Jesus, if you're going to fulfill your purpose like Jesus and fulfill your destiny like Jesus, then you need the power of the indwelling spirit within. The Bible says to be filled with the spirit. His next piece of scripture, uh, Ephesians 5.18, this is the everyday piece of scripture that we can all relate to and that is don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation but be filled with the spirit do you know what this verse tells me it tells me that there's going to come a time in your life a rough time where you're going to want to drink a lot of alcohol right and it could be about Three small kids driving you crazy, it could be your spouse, it's gonna, it could be your, that crazy boss. No, not you. I got nothing but love for you. Nothing but love for you. But you guys know what I mean. It's going to be that season in life where you're going to want to drink a lot. Now you can replace that word drink with anything. It could be food, it could be drugs, alcohol, porn, whatever it might be. And you're going to give in to that hard season's life, whatever the reason is, and you're going to want to drink a lot. But God says, don't drink too much because I have something better for you. I have something better for you than those 12 glasses of wine. I have something better for you than those six Big Macs at McDonald's. And that is to be filled with the Spirit of God. That phrase, be filled, it comes up a lot in the Bible. It means it's not a one-time filling. No, it is a continuous filling by immersion by the Spirit of God. And we oftentimes we ignore the spirit of God, don't we? Like there's times when God is talking to you, but you know better. We, we all we're all there. We know better than God sometimes. That's what we think, right? So we we'll put God here, and He's talking to us. But no, I'm going to be up here because I think I know better. We do that a lot. So we cannot become arrogant by what we know, but what we think we know. But instead, become humbled by who we know, and that's Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does to us. It points us back to Jesus. It always points us back to Jesus. Everything we do, it always points us back to Jesus. The Holy Spirit offers us a constant companionship with a God who convicts, a God who comforts, a God who prompts, and a God who saves. The Holy Spirit is in us. The reason why we are all Holy Spirit people is because we are Jesus people. We are Jesus freaks. And the Holy Spirit is our helper to understand and ascertain the beauty and the majesty of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit comes. It fills us. That way we might be filled, there's that word again, with Jesus. To be filled with Jesus, an overflowing and continuous filling of Jesus inside of us. Luke eleven eleven, Jesus says this. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, because friends, we are all evil compared to Jesus. And Jesus is saying this. If you then are being evil, know how to give good gifts to your own children, then how much more your heavenly father, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So this is what he's saying. Jesus is saying, I guarantee you that as sure as if your five year old asks you for scrambled eggs for breakfast, you're going to give them eggs, right? If your, a, your child asks you for eggs, you're going to give them eggs. Jesus is saying, it's that simple for me. You ask for the Holy Spirit, well, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. But notice you have to ask. John 16, it says, The Holy Spirit cannot come to help you until I leave, but after I'm gone, I will send the Spirit to you. So good. Jesus had to die. He died to save us. The only way the Holy Spirit, He can give us that Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, is by giving His life for us. Does anybody have any Christmas presents still unopened? Does anybody have birthday presents just sitting around just because we're bored and we don't want to open them? No, because we love to open gifts, right? We love to open them. Well, Jesus gave us that gift. He gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit, but a lot of times we're just letting it sit there. We're not opening it. Why not? We need to get into it. We need to tear that thing open and let it fill us up. I'd like to ask the worship team to come on up real quick as I uh, get ready to close this out. Friends, the Holy Spirit right now wants to be active in your life. But we need to continue to ask for a fresh filling of the Spirit every single day. And Jesus is saying, I'll do it for you every time. It's not a one-time thing. He'll do it for you every time. You have to ask. So when you're discouraged in life and your passion is low and you feel like pulling the covers over your head, instead of trying to be better, because that's what we like to do, right? We try to be better. We try to, to, or to do more, to... It's all fake, though. Instead of trying to do that, you're actually called to cry out to the Holy Spirit to refresh you, to, feel, to fill you with passion again, to get up on the inside of this weak vessel and fill me with the power from on high. A simpler version of this prayer, because it's, it's tough to remember sometimes, but, but a simpler version is just to say, when you wake up in the morning, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you in my life right now. Remember in the books of uh, Acts, there's a story in the book of Acts that I read, um, but I'm going to summarize it real quick. It's a story of Peter and John. They were standing before the Sanhedrin and they were preaching um, and then they got arrested. But before they got arrested, they were preaching and boy, were they preaching. The number of new believers that day grew to 5,000 people. Are you kidding me? The Holy Spirit was alive and flowing through them. 5,000 people amazing in that same scripture peter and john they were brought before the high priests and they were asked by what power by what name do you do this how dare you preach bring five thousand new believers who are you by what power do you do this by then peter once again he was filled with the holy spirit filled with the holy spirit he spoke of miracles happening a crippled man of 40 years standing before them completely healed by the power of jesus christ Friends, when you have the Spirit of God inside of you, you need to be bold in your faith. Don't be afraid. When the, when the Spirit is living inside of you, you have no choice. There are no excuses. You need to be bold. There's no lukewarm. There's no halfway. You need to be bold in your faith. After John and Peter were released from jail, they went back to their own people and prayed. After they prayed, the place that they were meeting at was shaken. Like that song earlier, when, the, when it was shaken and the stone was rolled away, that place was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God, not meekly, boldly though. So friends, the Spirit is there. It's waiting for you, passionately for your invitation. You just need to cry out for it. You just need to ask for it. And it will fill you. It's there. It's free. It's a gift given to you by Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you. We give you praise. We ask that you lift us up this morning out of our sorrows, out of our pains. Just be there for us. We love you. We thank you for this gift of the Holy Spirit. It continues. It guides us every single day. We ask that you fill us with it. My friends, with your heads down, your eyes closed, this is a safe place. If you would like a renewed filling of that Holy Spirit this morning, or if this is your first time and and you want that Holy Spirit to fill you up this morning, I would love to pray for you. Please put your hands in the air. Raise your hands. I'd love to pray. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord Jesus. We thank you and we give you praise for this amazing spirit within. I ask that you fill these people in this place, these ones that lifted their hands up, fill them this morning as they leave here. And when they leave here, they leave here renewed. They leave here rejuvenated with the spirit of God living inside of them, filling them up and bursting with the power of Jesus Christ. When they leave here, they go into their communities and they shine Jesus. When they wake up tomorrow, they shine Jesus. When they go to work tomorrow and when they go to work all week long, they shine Jesus. There's nothing better in this world than Jesus. Nothing better than this world. For all the money in the world, for everything, nothing compares to Jesus Christ. And so we ask that you fill us. Fill these people that have their hands up. Let them relieve here with a nude relationship with you, Jesus Christ. We love you so much. And all God's people said, Amen.